the KCL or Daily with Brian Redmond on air, online, and on smart speaker. With thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Staying with the topic of um, health surgical hubs, um, in particular, we had an announcement from Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly that progress had been made on the planned delivery of surgical hubs nationally. The hubs are being developed in key locations around the country, either on the site of a Model 4 hospital or on sites operated under the governance of the hospitals. Sites, Mount Carmel in South Dublin, Swords in North County Dublin, Galway, Cork, Waterford and Limerick. The hubs are being developed to impact on day case waiting lists in advance of the delivery of regional elective hospitals. And joining us on the phone this morning, um, Sinn Féin TD, David Cullinan. Um, David, great to have you with us. Uh, What did you think of the announcement from Minister for Health, Mr Donnelly, yesterday? Thank you, first of all, and uh, Happy New Year to you and all of your listeners. Yeah, so the, the surgical hubs have been in, uh, in play now for some time, and Minister Donnelly is right that there is some progression. But at the same time, these were hubs that were promised almost a year ago, and it does take far too long for health projects to be delivered. The Minister himself has acknowledged that, and obviously I want to see these hubs up and running as soon as possible. The logic of them is very similar to those elective hospitals that you spoke about, which will be quite substantial, and unfortunately they are behind schedule. Uh, And the, the, the logic of the elective hospitals is that we separate scheduled care from unscheduled care so that planned procedures would be done outside of acute hospitals in some areas, not in all areas, because obviously very specialist services would still need to be done in major acute hospitals where recovery beds would be needed. So we're talking about day case procedures in and out very quickly and the, 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 the more basic, I suppose, procedures, elective and planned procedures. And the logic of it is that when you have... Uh, a surge in your hospitals and we're seeing that at the moment you heard that from from uh, the manager of the hospital in Kilkenny where obviously there's lots of illnesses circulating in the community that puts pressures on hospitals and put, puts pressures on emergency departments and then one of the casualties of that is that we have to cancel elective procedures simply to cope and deal and manage with what's happening in our emergency departments so the logic of the elective hospitals and on a smaller scale the surgical hubs is to have a number of uh, operating theatres and recovery beds uh, and meeting rooms uh, either on-site or off-site close to a a Model 4 hospital that can allow for, for some of those elective procedures to continue and to actually get through the waiting lists because as we know we have nearly 600,000 people on some form of hospital waiting list, many of those waiting for procedures. So if we can do those at volume, uh, in volume and on scale uh, and on time, obviously that is, is what patients want and it's more efficient. So obviously the value of them speaks for itself and, and I hope that those hubs will now be up and running as soon as possible. Despite the delay in the announcement from Minister Donnelly yesterday, the hubs still seem to be relatively centralised around those big medical centres across the country. Do you think it would have been more beneficial to have a larger spread of these smaller hubs so people are still aren't faced with those long journey times for what would be basically day case procedures? Yeah, so I suppose in some areas you have Model 2 hospitals that do perform some of those services. 
So you have obviously your major acute hospitals, which are your Model 4 and Model 3 hospitals. You then have Model 2 hospitals that do day case procedures. So it depends on the area and it depends on the region. I am in favour of expanding out these surgical hubs and the first of those to be put in place was in Tala and it was a pilot project and it worked very well. And it worked very well because it was adjacent to and part of the running of the hospital and it, it did allow for the hospital when the pressure was on, especially in terms of emergency departments and, and pressures in the hospital generally to continue to do elective procedures and that in turn then brings down the number of patients who are waiting for elective procedures. Obviously the elective only hospitals when they are built will be on a much bigger scale and you know they are behind in terms of Dublin. There hasn't even been a site identified. There is one identified for Cork and one for Galway and I think they're going to be some years away. So while we're waiting for those hospitals to be built and let's be honest we don't have a great track record of building hospitals either on budget or on time in this state i think more of these surgical hubs will be a benefit so i'm sure that if the ones that are being progressed are successful then there has to be an eye to the next uh, range of hospitals a number of hospitals that would benefit from these surgical hubs because it does make a difference and it does allow for that separating as i said of schedule from unscheduled care particularly at crucial times. So I was in favour of them for a long number of years. Uh, I think they will be of enormous benefit. Uh, I do want to see them progress as quickly as possible. And I suppose it's up to each individual hospital and hospital management to then make a case. And a number of areas have, including in Donegal and other areas that are not down for a surgical hub, but have expressed an interest in having one. So I'm sure other hospitals will do likewise. And I think that should be then looked at favourably by the HSE and by the Department of Health. But I should say, as a footnote to that, that we are going into a year this year where no new funding was made available for, for the health service. So there isn't a huge amount of additional money for for new measures. And what was uh, provided for, which was just over £100 million, which isn't a huge amount of money in a health service for new measures, that, that money has been ring-fenced essentially for the surgical hubs which have been identified. So there isn't a huge amount of scope for new measures for 2024 and new developments. But but I would argue, if they are successful, that we should look at other hospitals and other areas that would benefit from them. How much short do you think the budget for health was this year? How much would you have invested above what was invested by the current government? And how would you have liked to see that extra expenditure spent? Well, it, it's not my view. It's it's the view of the head of the HSE, the, the head of the Department of Health, and indeed the Minister for Health, who made a submission to uh, the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform in advance of the budget, that what was needed was about €2 billion Euro just to stand still at a minimum. And what the health service got was just uh, over £700 million, $707 million. So we, we know from public commentary from the head of the HSE that we're likely to see a very significant deficit uh, this year in 2020 in the health service. But worse than that, the backdrop is that we have a recruitment embargo which is still in place. We have a ceiling of new staff to be recruited for 2024, which is 2,200. And to put that in context, context, each and every year for the last three years, the net increase of staff was just over 6,000. So we're going to recruit about one-third of additional staff 
into the health services. That's not just in hospitals, that's in primary care and community care, which is also really important to take pressure off hospitals to ensure that people have what's called those alternative care pathways of care in the home, care in the community, people with chronic pain who can be managed in the community, for example. If those options are not there, people end up in hospital. So staff are critical to all of those services. Um, so for, for all of those reasons, uh, we're going to face a very challenging year. We know that the health service will run a deficit, um, probably in, to the tune of $1.5 billion, that will have to be either paid for at the end of this year through a revised estimate, or there will be more cuts and a continuation of the recruitment embargo, which I don't believe is, is wise, because it sends out a terrible message to those who are training uh, at the moment who we want to come and work in the public system. And then, aside from the fact that we don't even provide enough money for the health services stand still, there is very little of any new funding for all of the clinical programmes, for all of the hospitals, all of the primary and community care services. So any new developments which are necessary and which will be needed to continue to build on the reforms in healthcare, unfortunately now will all be on hold in 2024 as a consequence of that government decision. And we had proposed in our alternative budget a spend of an additional $1.2 billion above what the government proposed, which would have been more in line with what's actually necessary. Um, but obviously the government have made a decision to not properly fund the health service, and, and that's on them, and, and we face the consequences of it, in my view, unfortunately. But I would also say, and I listened to Mr. Courtney a few minutes ago, I, I would praise all of those on the front line who worked wonders over the last number of weeks in our acute hospitals, um, trying to keep the numbers of, of patients on trolleys down in very difficult circumstances where many of them don't have the beds that are needed, uh, but also lots of different illnesses from respiratory illnesses to the flu and COVID circulating in the community which then ends up in hospitals and presents real challenges it has to be said for those on the front line and I think they've done again a wonderful job and I'd pay tribute to all of those who work in our health services. It's the job of government to provide them uh, with, the, uh, with the equipment uh, and the capacity that's needed and obviously patients deserve uh, better when you look at the wait times and, and there's still far too many people on trolleys. As we move into 2024, I mean, it's going to be an extremely busy period in the in the political sphere. We know we've got local elections coming this year. We still don't have confirmation on when the next general election may fall. Um, but would you like to see, if it was a Sinn Féin-led government, would you immediately remove that embargo on recruitment into the health service? And how would you propose to make up that 1.3 billion euro funding shortfall that's been in place for this year? Well, obviously, there's lots of priorities for, for me for, for this year. And, and as you said, there will be local elections at the very least and European elections. We face elections in the north as well. So it's quite possible that we will have elections north and south. Uh, it's also possible that we could have a general election. There's lots of speculation as to when that will be. So obviously, it will be a busy political year on the electoral front. And it's up to each and every political party to set out its stall. We have already done that in terms of what our priorities are. Housing is obviously the big issue that's impacting uh, right across the economy, including, by the way, our ability to recruit staff into the health services, but also into all public services. So housing is going to be the number one issue, I think, in any election campaign. And then issues like health, the cost of living, uh, community safety, all of those issues will be but important. Would you like so to see that embargo removed? Yes, I would. And should we propose in our alternative budget sufficient funding that would have provided for the staff that we can recruit into the health service to be recruited? Uh, and we did so by not running, using any of the the the, the, um, the, the windfall tax from corporation 
uh, tax receipts to to fund day-to-day services. But obviously there was scope for additional spending that the government had and we had the same level of funding available in terms of presenting an alternative budget. But we uh, we proposed tax increases and and PRSI increases on incomes over €140,000 and only kicks in on incomes over that and other uh, income uh, raising measures as well. And that's necessary, in my view, if you want to provide the core public services that people need. My point on the the embargo in terms of recruitment is that we already know that we lose far too many healthcare professionals to the healthcare systems in Australia, in New Zealand, in uh, England. We know the NHS are very aggressively recruiting for uh, those trainees who are coming through our training colleges and third-level institutes at the moment in nursing, but also in a range of areas, psychology, speech and language therapy, occupational therapy, all of those are positions which are really vital and we're understaffed in many of these areas in the health services. It's an interesting quandary, that, because want, you... T- I don't want... You I don't want more of those people to, to have to emigrate. Yeah. I want them to come and work in the public system because if we're tr- training them and we're spending money, which we are quite significant money, on training those uh, healthcare professionals, and it would make sense that we would want them to come and work in the public system here in this state as opposed to having far too many of them emigrate. I, absolutely, but uh, do you think it would be difficult to attract those high-level consultants into a health system that absolutely needs their input if you're also at the same time talking about increasing taxation on salaries above 140000 well, it's a quite modest increase, and what we were talking about was a, a tax of 3% on income that would only kick in in excess of 140,000. So for the first 140,000 euro on their incomes, they would pay no additional tax. But I engage with hospital consultants on a regular basis, and sometimes it comes up, but very rarely, and I deal with the representative groups, and what they say to me is that what they want is a properly functioning health service. They also understand that for a consultant to be able to do his or her job, they need all of the allied healthcare professionals, nurses, healthcare assistants, radiographers and so on. So we can't do all of that unless we have the revenue and the ability to invest in all of our core public services. So hospital consultants know that you can't you know, promise everything and then not have the income to actually be able to deliver on it. And I've had some very straight conversations with them in relation to all of that. So I'd leave that to hospital consultants to speak for themselves. But I do know that what they say to me, that their biggest ask of any government is provide them with the tools to do their job. We don't have enough surgical theatre capacity, diagnostic capacity, hospital beds, hospital equipment. And very often you have consultants who are fighting over very precious surgical theatre spaces and slots that become available, which is why in our alternative budget we propose for additional spend in those areas. But you can't propose additional spend if you're not prepared then to raise uh, um, revenue where you can in a fair way. And I believe that we would achieve that balance. And like any issue, that's an issue that people can make up their own minds on in the course of an election campaign. And you talked about priorities for this year. If there is an election, we will set out very clearly in our manifesto exactly what we will do. And then we will do what we will say if we're in government. And I think that's the message of change that we will bring in 2024. And of course, the government will have their narrative, but we will have... Errors, and it will be an exciting political year because we have elections and, and we have local and European elections. But I think there is the real Absolutely. prospect of, of a general election as well. Well, Sean Fain TD, David Cullen, thank you very much for your time this morning joining us on the KCLR Daily. The KCLR Daily with Brian Redmond on air, online, and on smart speaker. With thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie.